The Ordinary Discussion Podcast. So over time, Satan uses shame to just really distance us from relationship with God. And so I think it's really important that we recognize that failure does not define us. Failure is not our identity. Failure is something, a sin, a sin issue in our past, a sin issue that we're struggling with today, is something that we, we need to work on. Absolutely. It's something we need to repent of. Absolutely. But it doesn't, it's not our identity. Our identity is in Christ and is a son and daughter of His. And we can come boldly before the throne because of the blood of Christ, which we'll talk about as well. Um, I love that, 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 yeah. that session. I can't wait to talk about the blood of Christ. But before we get there, I just want to say, like, God wants to and will use you despite your failure. Hey guys, Jeremy McCommons here with Ordinary Discussions Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in and watching on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast listening platform. Today's topic is what a failure. <laughs> Trust me, it's going to be great. Hey, have you ever felt like a failure? I bet you have. I know I have. Do you have past failures or sin issues that hold you back or have held you back from walking out your faith or what God has called you to? Or maybe it's something that you're currently struggling with. Maybe it's a current sin issue or a current failure. Well, the good news is this podcast will be a real encouragement for you. Emily Webb, the director of Ordinary Women, and I discuss some of the greatest men and women of the Bible and each of their failures. From murderers, adulterers, persecutors of Christians, deniers of Christ, the list goes on and on. All of these people were still used greatly by God to advance his kingdom. In fact, God often used these failures to advance his kingdom even more. So we'll discuss all of that in detail, and we'll find that these great men of faith were not perfect, and we don't have to be either. So, hey, if you're enjoying the podcast, please like and subscribe on YouTube or rate us and subscribe on the podcast listening platform you prefer. We also love comments, questions, and encouragement, so please share those uh, if you have any. And uh, we'd love your help in getting the word out with Ordinary Discussions. So if you could share this with your friends, uh, if you could post it on your social media platforms, that would be really great. So thanks so much for your help in that. Hey, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great day. Let's do this. Another podcast with Emily Webb, Director of Ordinary Women. How are you? Good. Another day, another plaid shirt. <laughs> As my, I had a football coach who would always, I don't even know what it means, but he would, another day, another dollar, another day, another dollar. I don't know. That's what he that would yell at you're making time. money every day. That's what that means. But we were practicing football. Oh, uh, another day. He's earning another dollar. That yeah. could be. There are some other things he would say that I, I don't think are appropriate. Um, and then he, he would love to say, put your hand on the line. Because we, when we were running sprints at the end of the practice, it was like, I don't know, that, like ingrained in my head. You know how some things get ingrained yes. in your head? Yes. Yeah. I still think about that. I have nightmares over running sprints. <clears throat> you need to find him, I think, now and reach out and tell him all these little things that he said that you still think of. Yes. Yeah. I don't even remember his name. Uh, oh, I could figure it out. much here. of an impact, huh? I'll tell you this. Um, when I was a freshman, um, uh, my scout team coach, so if you don't know football, like uh, I was a redshirt freshman, that means you don't play, but you practice. So you have yeah. four, you have five years to play four years of football in college if you're on scholarship, right? So yeah. 
or, or it, not even on scholarship, it's just eligibility. You have four years of eligibility, you have five years to plan. So a lot of times what they'll do is redshirt a freshman and give them a year to develop, or if they have somebody ahead of them that would cause that freshman not to play, they wait mm-hmm. for that person to graduate out. So whatever. So then we have a thing, scout team, which is more or less, you're the practice team going against the starting offense or defense and, and, and such. But my scout team coach was James Franklin, which is the head coach for Penn State right now. Just got a 95. Oh, wow. Just got a, and it's really funny because uh, at the time he was super intense. And, we, and, and you know, he was coaching a bunch of scout team players. <laughs> and so we were all like rolling our eyes at him like, this guy is a nut. Like, well, he just signed a $95 million 10-year contract. So maybe his intensity uh, worked out pretty well for him. Wow. So either way. So maybe you should – look him up and tell him how much he meant to you. Yeah. Yeah. And can you loan me some money? <laughs> yeah. I don't think he would remember me from the man in the moon. Well, Hey, I mean, that segues, segues in really well, not at all into our session four podcast, which is what a failure. Mm. Uh, so uplifting. It, maybe it does. How was your football career now? Oh, come on. That's terrible. <laughs> Why would, no, we're not even going to talk. Like, that is that. <laughs> I don't even know. I thought that was perfect. What a, what? That is so mean. (laughs) Guys, everyone listening, that is mean, period. I thought that was, I mean, as a leader, I think that it's important for us to tell our leaders, you're always trying to look for that way back to where the conversation needs to be. So I'm always constantly thinking when people are talking, how can I bring it back? How can I bring it back? And that was it. But you brought it back by saying that my football career was a failure. Well, are you still playing? Of course not. I mean, okay. unless you're Tom Brady, who's playing at 43. I mean, give me a break. And that's only because he's a quarterback and he doesn't get hit. And he's a stud, obviously. But hey, let's let's get into this, though. All right. Okay. Since my football career was a failure. But God can use your failures. He can. Jeremy. He can. Uh, I always like to start with these quotes. Um, and I really like this one. Bill Walsh, another, another coach, uh, says, almost always your road to victory goes through a place called failure. I think that's so perfect, obviously. Uh, we chose it for this session, but it's so perfect for what we're about to talk about. And it's not about how much of a failure, failure. why can't I say that right now? Failure mm-hmm. you are. It, it's about how do you find victory, right? And it's like, we're, how, do, how do we get past this place of failure to this road of victory? And that's really what this session is about. Well, why don't you tell us about what, what you, what you want to what you want to hit on in this session, Emily? I think that I just want people to know that sometimes what seems like your greatest failure and the thing that you're most ashamed of is what makes your story unique and is what God can use to reach other people that wouldn't normally be reached. Just like the woman at the well, I think the way that God used her and um, just the influence that she was able to have over her town because people knew who she was, they knew of her past. And so the fact that she was changed um, really made that, that much more of an impact on them. So, And I mean, this is a progression that we're going through. Now, I do want to say, if you're listening to this and you're not part of Ordinary Men or Ordinary Women, this is still, uh, stay, stay with us. It's, it's, uh, it's topical conversation. It'd be no different than if we had a podcast about how do you overcome failure, right? That's pretty much what this is. We're just going through it uh, session by session. And it's kind of cool because if you've never gone through Ordinary Men or Women, then you can listen to these 22, I think it's going to be, podcasts. And, and feel like you've kind of gone through it and, uh, and, and see what God wants to do 
through this with you. And so it is interesting how it wasn't planned. When I, when I wrote this study, it started as a Bible study, and I would just uh, every other week just pray that God would give me something to say for this Bible study, and he always put these topics on my mind. In pretty much, other than like one or two sessions, in the exact order that the the book is written. And so if you look back, I mean, session one, we talk about our testimonies and 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 just who we are, and then and then we get into excuses or no excuse, which is session two, which we talked about. And that's about just encouraging us to stop putting our, our excuses forward and instead rely on our willingness to just follow what God calls us to do. And you can go back and listen to that podcast. Uh, if you want to hear more on that. And then the next one was uh, milk versus meat. And so we're, we're, we're talking about putting our excuses aside. Then we're talking about let's take ownership of our faith. Let's take ownership of, of growing in the Lord and our knowledge, our understanding and our intimacy with him. And then what, what we talk about is this topic of failure. And I think it's interesting that this is how, you know, God kind of downloaded it on in, in my mind because it is a huge uh, hindrance to people in their faith and walking out what God has called them to do. Uh, I hear so many people use, well, I guess it goes back to the excuses or no excuse session, but use the failure in their life as an excuse or a reason why God can't use them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we're going to hit that head on right here because I want people to know, and I want men to know, and I want women to know that your past failure does not does not dictate your future victory. In fact, you just said it. I think often God uses that failure in our life once we embrace it, once we bring it to the light and we stop hiding it, right? I think he uses that to be the very thing that he allows us to have a ministry in, right? And so when we start looking at our failure as something that is a road to victory versus a reason why God can't use us, boy, that really changes a lot in our ability to disciple people and walk out what God's put on our heart. Absolutely. Let's dive into this. Where, where do we want to start? I mean, I have my favorites. Like, do you want to talk? Do you want to start with some people? Well, yeah. I mean, let's start here. Um, yeah. And then we'll dive in. You can take off right after this. I just <laughs> want to set the stage with this one thing is first John one, eight. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to start there because there's not a person listening that does not have sin failure in their lives in the past, in the present and in the future, there's not a person listening. And so uh, it's easy to hear something like this and say, Oh, I've never murdered anybody. I was never a drug addict. You know, I never, you know, I don't know. I don't even want to say the sins because I don't want to put somebody, (laughs) I don't want to put somebody in a spiral. But think of whatever sin you think is a bad sin. Well, that's not me. So this this doesn't even apply to me. But I think it does because we all are, none of us are without sin. And even people, and I may be getting ahead of myself, and I'm sorry, Emily, but even people that have been in their faith like nearly their entire lives, that have lived a really good life, still have failures that they keep them, that keeps them from moving forward. It could be as simple as anger towards your wife. It could be as simple as gossip with other women. It could be as simple as greed. But there's mm-hmm. these things that nobody else sees that, 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 you, that you define yourself. You allow it to start defining who you are. And then, and then Satan comes in, and then, and then you know he's obviously the king of all liars. 
and and he and he'll tell you, well, God can't use you because of that. You you can't disciple a guy because you just yell at your wife and kids like you're who are you? And then it's funny because somebody that is dealing with some other sin area that we call a major sin area, like whatever, who who even classifies that, but would look at us and say, you're not doing that because you yelled at your wife. Like, give me a break, you know, but we believe these lies that Satan puts in our hearts. And, um, yeah. So I am, I'm so glad, like, I'm so glad that God chose these people first of all, but then put them in the Bible so that we could see the people that he chose to do his work all had these sketchy pasts and these, you know, <laughs> things that they did that, you know, they weren't proud of. And now, I mean, it's here for us to read forever. I mean, some of them, I feel like embarrassed for them, but I can just can remember when I was younger reading, even in Hebrews 11 and reading in the hall of faith and reading about people that made it into the hall of faith, but you know, reading about them in the Old Testament, their failures and the things that they did that were wrong. Like I think about Abraham and, I, you know, it, he's like a man of faith. He is he is in the hall of faith and it talks about his amazing faith. And I'm like, yeah, but he didn't trust God enough to give him children. I mean, he didn't wait for 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 that to come along. He tried to make that happen himself with his maidservant, like, but he still made it into that, into that chapter. And it always bothered me. (laughs) But I think as I've gotten older and I've matured in my faith, I'm like, no, that's what God does. He takes our failures and he forgives us and he helps uh, mold us and make us into these people that can be used for his glory, even with all of our brokenness. Um, so I love that we get to witness it and see it firsthand that nobody's perfect. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. It wasn't one. I'm trying to find it. We, we have to cut this. <laughs> <laughs> cut, edit. Wasn't, wasn't one of the people like, a prostitute? Wasn't it the Rahab? Yeah. Cause she, she hid the spies. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> wait, this she is a, went- well, she went from being a prostitute to part of Jesus' lineage. We should probably add that to the ordinary women study, maybe. Uh, she's already in there. Oh, oh, my bad. I don't lead ordinary <laughs> women. Hey, hey. <laughs> I don't lead ordinary women studies. Imagine that. <laughs> probably a very smart thing that I do not lead those studies. Sorry for that. Um, that's why you're directing it. that side of the organization. I love it. Yeah, I do too. We, we do need to cut that. But good maybe. thought, Jeremy. Good thought. Yeah, that's that's great. That's great. Okay, I'm glad I could help. Yeah, speaking of failures, if we can't cut it, then we can't cut it because we got we to gotta just own it. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, all of the Old Testament is kind of, uh, I know this sounds terrible. It's really encouraging to me. Like when I first got into the Word of God, some of the first stuff I read was First and Second Samuel. And man, it's like, I would read the life of Saul and David and, and think to myself, wait a minute, I, I still got a chance. And right? I, I, I think that's why God allowed all that to be in there. Well, first off, I mean, who could he have chosen that, that didn't have failure? <laughs> you know, and that's, that's the crazy part about it is that there's no one he could have chosen without failure. And really, isn't that what ordinary men and ordinary women is all about? Yes. Isn't that it? It's like, stop thinking you have to be perfect. Stop thinking that you have to get it all together before you can walk out what God's called you to do. Because the word of God, it doesn't show us that. 
I mean, he didn't say to the 12 disciples, hey, hey, guys, uh, uh, drop your nets, get your crap together, <laughs> make sure you understand all this, this, and this, and then come follow me. It's just right. not what he did, you know? And it wasn't very long after that they started following him that he sent them out in pairs to to start mm-hmm. uh, evangelizing uh, the gospel. And so I don't know if it was the gospel at that time. That was before Jesus died. But, but either way, um, telling the good news. So it, it's interesting how we allow Satan to lie to us and make us think so so wrong about this 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 thing of perfection. I know. You just mentioned you had some people that in in the Word of God that that were examples of this that that maybe you liked. So maybe mm-hmm. we could jump into that. Well, I would have to say one of my favorite people in the whole Bible is Paul. And he's such a good example of somebody. I mean, his past was persecuting Christians. Like that's what he did. And he went from being the persecutor to being persecuted for his faith after, you know, his conversion. And, and you, we know he became an amazing godly man who wrote several books in the new Testament and won, you know, many souls for Christ. But he started as someone who was instrumental in persecuting Christians and trying to, you know, he was on his way to go pull Christians out of their homes and kill them when the Lord met him on the road to Damascus. So if someone like that can be used, then certainly you can use me and all my, (laughs) all my little failures. Yeah. I, I think Paul is, of all the examples we use is probably the most egregious in like his failure because mm-hmm. it wasn't like a personal failure. It wasn't like he cheated on his wife. It wasn't like he murdered somebody. I mean, those are pretty big deals, but mm-hmm. it, it wasn't like this thing in his life. I mean, he was trying to snuff out Christianity. He was killing people to snuff out the very thing that God used him to to advance. And that's always funny to me when somebody's like, I'd go to church with you, but man, lightning would strike. I was like, well, maybe, I mean, it kind of did strike with Paul, but it was a pretty good thing. <laughs> he had right. an encounter on the road to Damascus. Right. And, and he lost his eyesight. And I don't know what that was lightning strike or what it was, but uh, he had an encounter, but you know, they obviously say it in a way that like God can't use them. Like I'd never go to church. God can't use me. I'm too far gone. No, not, mm-hmm. not true because you're not trying to snuff out the very thing that he would use you for. And so, man, it is interesting, and I'm sure it was purposeful, that God chose Paul of all people, right? And so that no one, no one could say, I'm too far gone. And I do want to say this because I I think this is really important because I've encountered people that have had sin failure in their past, and there's a very important process that has to take place for God to be able to use you, and that's repentance. Yeah. We, repentance is is instrumental. If we're not repentant of the sin in our lives, if we're not repentant of the failure that has taken place, the sin failure in our lives, God can't use us. Like we, we have to, we have to repent first. And I think that's really important because I do meet people that refuse to recognize wrong in their life and then want to continue on in the work of God. And repentance is, is is a very important step. And repentance is really simple. It's simply turning the other way and going the opposite direction. So, and it's calling what you're doing wrong and moving away from it. And I I do think that's really important to mention because that we're not, I'm I'm not, and I know you're not either. I'm not advocating like, oh, you have sin failure in life. Just keep sinning and God's going to, yeah, that's not, that's not the idea. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, I think and David's a fantastic example oh, of what true repentance is. I mean, if you read Psalm 51, you see his brokenness and you see just how he felt after he sinned and knew what he did to the Lord's heart. I mean, and I think that for me sometimes is hard. I mean, when we get into the later chapters about the Holy Spirit and there's a question that, um, um, Francis Chan asks in his book, forgotten God, like when was the last time you thought about how your sin grieved the Holy spirit, mm. you know? I mean, mm. and I think it's easy for us sometimes to lose touch with our sin on the flip side of what we're talking about. I mean, I, I know that a lot of us have things in our past that we regret and that we feel like discount us from working for the Lord. But I feel like sometimes we have sin in our life that we, that we don't acknowledge that we don't even think about. I mean, the things that you do all the time that you don't think about. So I think it's also important for us to look at Psalm 51 and look at David's example of understanding. Yeah. When you sin, it breaks the Lord's heart and it should break yours. It should, it should make you feel broken so that you understand your need for God. Yeah, it's it's uh that's interesting. I mean, that's kind of taking it to another level, the the sins that we don't even know we're committing, but there that's in Psalms as well where David says, "Reveal myself." Uh re- I I'm I'm butchering it, but reveal me to myself. Like I will fool, like I will fool myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like reveal my sin to myself because man, I pray that often because man, we have a way of of really fooling ourselves into thinking we have it all together. And then when we start praying that, like the Holy Spirit starts putting things in your heart, you're like, mm, yeah, maybe I need to work on that. And I mean, that's a little outside of what we're talking about with this whole failure thing, but maybe not. Because like I said, um, th- there's people that are going through ordinary men or people listening to this that have been in faith and believers their entire lives. <clears throat> and they're still letting... Uh, things that are uh, sin failures in their life. It could be looked at as not a big thing, right? It could be something that, that nobody else sees, but they're letting it, they're letting, they're, they're believing the lie of Satan and not walking out what God has called them to do because of that. And they think they have to get it together. And then there's people listening that uh, are maybe new believers and, or maybe dealing with major sin issues in their life. And I think this is relevant to them as well. I mean, it's relevant to all of us. I think the key for me is how do we get men and women to start discipling other people? And I think one of the key things we have to do, number one, is point them to intimacy, intimacy with Jesus and this relationship with him, and he, and he changes their hearts. But so many people cannot encounter intimacy with Jesus because they can't even go to him out of shame and guilt about something they did in their past. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I just want people to read about, you know, let's look at it. Like Moses <laughs> murders a dude, goes in hiding for 40 years. Right. And then it's like, what was he? He was, we talk about it in our, in our studies, you know, he goes from a murderer, a doubter, an excuse maker. We know all that about Moses. In fact, he begged God to not even use him and use his brother instead. Like he was like, God, use somebody else. And then he goes to confronting Pharaoh with the seven plagues, parting the Red Sea, seeing the glory of God, delivering the Ten Commandments, and being the leader of Israel. Like, wait, wait, this can't be the same guy. This, But it is. Because at some point he had a, such an encounter with God, and this is where intimacy is so important to me. He had such an encounter with, with God 
that that it transformed his way of thinking. And 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 his past failure was not the thing that defined him. It was his relationship with God that that he found his identity. Yeah. I mean there's more. Do you want to talk about um I mean what's an like David? I mean what 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 do you we talked yeah, a little I mean, bit about Yeah, we we've briefly talked about David. Yeah. Um you know, and that's another one too. When we when I was telling you about, you know, <laughs> my feelings about Abraham and the people in the Hall of Faith who were who I knew having read the Bible knew I felt like didn't deserve to be there because they weren't perfect. Um, but David, who is called. You don't feel that man. way now, though. You did. No, yeah, yeah. I did. I did I, previously. Yeah, I know that. I just want to make sure everybody else knows that. Yeah. I've grown a lot. Yeah. Um, but David, who God calls a man after his own heart, you know, a man after his own heart, a man who murdered some other woman's husband mm-hmm. because he wanted, you know, he did sleep with her and had a child by her. Like, what you yeah. know that is i mean but god knew his heart god knew that he knew that he would come to that place of brokenness that he would repent and that he would be used greatly by him he understood he understood david even in all his weaknesses and all of his failures yeah and in, in reading these <clears throat> stories and the more i the more i realize who i am and how wretched i am right <laughs> Like anybody that thinks they're not, you need to get in the word. And I mean, we are, we we are, we are hopeless without Christ. Mm -hmm. And the more I understand of that, the harder it is for me to uh, pass judgment is not the right word. I I do think we're supposed to, to understand when somebody's in sin, but, Mm -hmm. but it's really hard for me to look at someone in sin and, and look at them the way I used to. Now Mm -hmm. my heart just breaks and, and, and I want to get to this and maybe we'll just get here and we can yeah, always go back, go. but there's, there's a question that I pose in the, in the study and it says, have you ever viewed others through their sin rather than through their potential greatness? And there's a question right before that it says, how do you react when someone close to you is failed in their walk with Christ? And I just, I, I mean, I'm probably certainly not perfect in this area and there's probably ways that I need to improve a lot. But man, I just look at people, I see somebody deep in sin, and now I just see like, and I, and I speak this over people, it's like, you know, it's like God, God wants to use you in this area of your life, and don't let the, don't let the sin area uh, convince you that he can't. You know, this very thing that you're dealing with is probably how God wants to use you in ministry, in, in your ministry, your personal ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have a voice uh, in the life of a guy that's cheated on his wife and alienated his family. I don't have a voice. I don't have a voice in the life of somebody that's an alcoholic and destroyed his family. I don't have a voice in that. But there's people that do. And, um, and now when I see those people, I'm like, oh, this is, this is, this is a real opportunity. God, God has, this is an opportunity for God to, to really reach people. And I used to like look at people and just be like, so disgusted by it. And, um, I think that's a shift. I don't know, maybe I'm giving myself too much credit, but I think it's a a shift that we need to make as Christians. Mm -hmm. And, and I think we can speak life into people, hope into people and, um, versus this feeling of like just being so judged all the time and and they're like, they're so bad. 
I mean, I think I have grown tremendously in the area of grace. It's, it's not something that comes naturally to me. And so I can remember doing this study the first time and coming to that question and being like, my answer was, and is genuine. Like, what is my first reaction when I, when I learn that someone has failed in their walk with Christ, when they learn that they, you know, are struggling with sin, sad, and then judgy, like, you know, like at first I'm really sad. And then it's secondly, it's, it's judgmental. It's like, how could you do that? Why, you know, what is wrong? And God has taught me so much about giving grace to people where they are in their journey. Everybody's on a different path. Everyone's in a different place in their faith. Everyone has different life circumstances that they're dealing with that have rocked their worlds in ways that we don't understand. And so when you see someone fall, there's definitely a good reason for it. And it's, it's being able to walk alongside that person giving high challenge and high grace, right? So we're not going to let them stay where they are. We're going to, what, um, I don't remember if I, t- I was watching a podcast with, um, not a podcast, a sermon that Priscilla Schreier did. And she was talking about, um, welcoming people in to the church, you know, and, and accepting everyone. But she was like, we, we need to welcome everyone, but not leave them where they are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, accepting people for who they are and in their sin, but not letting them stay that way. Yeah. Like we have to be willing to have the hard conversations and with grace and truth and help people kind of come up out of where they are um, into God's grace. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, that goes back to the very first podcast we did on the sessions, which was the, well, one of the first, which was the testimonies our stories. And yeah. it's interesting when you, when you hear the stories of people and the sin failure in their lives and what, what you would have thought of these people before hearing their testimony and mm-hmm. how you think of them after and the level of grace and compassion you have for them. Because it's like, I never had my mom walk out on me. I never had my dad beat me yeah. near to death. I didn't live in a situation where I didn't know if I was going to have food on the table. I wasn't surrounded by drug abuse. I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't abused sexually. Like, I mean, thank God. I mean, I don't know where I would be. So it's really easy as Christians for us to look at someone's failure and feel really good about ourselves until you really come to grips with who you are. And that goes back to the whole, the Psalms where, where David says, reveal, reveal my hidden sin from myself. You know, it's like, yeah. So, I mean, there's so many, like Peter is another great example, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. we probably, I, I probably can relate with Peter as much as any of them <laughs> as like one of these, like, well, I, I get, I, I don't think I would cheat on my wife and murder somebody. You know, I, I don't, I don't think I would persecute Christians, but man, put in that situation, I could see myself becoming yeah. a coward. <clears throat> right. You know, I, I hate to say that. I mean, I, I don't think I'm a coward, but man, put in that situation, you know, it's like, we all look at it and it's like, oh, he denied Christ. Well, that would be like, it, it almost feels like one of those little white lies, you know, like what he did. I don't know him. I don't know him. Like imagine like somebody putting a gun to your head and you could just look at him and say, I, I don't know that guy. Right. And then walk away. And I mean, that's pretty much what, what Peter did, but he denied him three times in the rooster crowed. And then it says, Jesus looked at him. I mean, I can't even imagine that, that moment. I know. But what I love about that, what I love about it is, he then goes on to preach Pentecost, which led thousands uh, uh, to Christ. Um, three thousand, and it was 3, only 50, it was only fifty days later. Did you know that? Wow, I did so not. Fifty days. 
from denying Christ to preaching a sermon that had 3,000 salvations. Well, then the same around the same time frame is the keystone verse for ordinary men and women, which is when they saw Mm -hmm. the courage. We're talking about the guy that's called a coward. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled ordinary men, they took note and recognized that these men had been with Jesus. I mean, that's everything that we're talking about right now is, is God changing who we are our perspective of who we are, and it all happens through spending time with Jesus. You know, it all happens through spending time with him. And so, I mean, I think we could go on and on. I don't think there's any reason to. I, I would just, I mean, what what do you want anybody listening to to really take from this from this podcast or anybody going through Ordinary Men and Women, a leader? You know, what what, what are some key takeaways that you would want to make sure that, that, they, that they heard from you? I would like people to know that the shame that you're feeling from your past failures is not from God. God, the Holy Spirit brings conviction and Satan brings shame. So the shame that you're feeling and that feeling that you can't be used is not something you need to listen to. I would encourage people to stop living in the past and then, and in their failures and to rise up out of that and to, to see where God can use them because he wants to use you and he wants to use your story. He wants to use your past to impact people. So start thinking about how your past sin can be helpful in the lives of someone else who might be struggling with the very same thing and how you can help walk with them through that. Yeah, that's really good. And I, I would, I would say very similar is that, you know, uh, shame causes us to run from God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned, they, they hid from God and recognize their nakedness. Right. And so, yeah. That's what, that's what shame does. And that's what, we, what happens when we focus on our, our past failures or our present. Like, let's be honest, there's still sin areas in my life that I struggle with daily. Yeah. And that's probably been my biggest challenge as a believer is having areas of sin that, that are ongoing struggles. <clears throat> and we're going to address some of this in another session, Spirit, Soul, and uh, Body, that, that I think is very helpful in overcoming sin in our lives. But when I was struggling in these areas, uh, it, it would cause me to, every time I fell into sin, it would cause me to hide, not want to be near God. Like I, mm-hmm. I would, I would, I would do what Adam and Eve did. I was hide. So then it was like this cycle of like pulling away from God and then sin pulling away from God. So over time, Satan uses shame to just really distance us from relationship with God. And so I think it's really important that we recognize that failure does not define us. Failure is not our identity. Failure is something, a sin, a sin issue in our past, a sin issue that we're struggling with today is something that we, we need to work on. Absolutely. It's something we need to repent of. Absolutely. But it doesn't, it's not our identity. Our identity is in Christ and is a son and daughter of his. And we can come boldly before the throne because of the blood of Christ, which we'll talk about as well. Um, I love that, 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 that session. I can't wait to talk about the blood of Christ, but before we get there, I just want to say like, God wants to and will use you despite your failure, despite what you're struggling with, despite what you've dealt with in the past. Just, I don't care what you did. I don't care. I don't care what it is. God can and will use you. He loves you. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just get emotional about this stuff. I, <clears throat> I really, I really do love and care for people. And um, it hurts me to see people, struggling with, with things that are holding them back and, and ultimately 
keeping them from being effective in the kingdom that I know is, is a simple um, repentance, uh, accepting what Christ has done for them, and, and realizing that they're not who Satan says they are. And so, yeah, that would be my takeaways. And we can cut all the tears out of the <laughs> I didn't actually, I just misty-eyed. No, no tears, just misty-eyed. Allergy. <laughs> no, no down the cheeks. So, well, that's great. Emily, thank you. Uh, I love what we're doing. I love yeah. ordinary men and women. Mm-hmm. I love that we're pointing people to this this faith that's so I feel like genuine and sincere and, and, and so focused on like, what do we have to do to get past ourselves so that we can be effective uh, for the kingdom of God? Because that's what he's called us to do. He's not, he's not calling just pastors and, 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 and preachers. And, and of course he's called them and they have a very key role, obviously not diminishing any of that. I keep saying that because I never want a pastor to hear this and feel that way ever. But he used ordinary people throughout the word of God, throughout it, to make huge impact in the world. In fact, it was the Pharisees and the highly learned, highly schooled were the people he was the hardest on. Those are the people he, he used people just like us. And uh, I just want to equip those people. And I just want, the, I want people across America and, and hopefully the world to see that. And, um, man, I, I, just, I just would love to see a revival of ordinary people men and women across this world. So, all right, I'll, I'll shut up. I'll keep going. <laughs> Thanks so much, Emily. I appreciate it. See you in session five. Yeah, we'll do it. See you later. <laughs>